Hello and welcome to the Behind the Artist podcast with Park West Gallery. I'm Gallery Director Morris Shapiro. If you'd like to view works of the artists I'm interviewing and learn more about them, please visit our podcast site with links to more content at parkwestgallery.com forward slash podcast. International art dealer Park West Gallery is proud to present our new podcast series, Behind the Artist. Each episode will be talking to popular contemporary artists to learn the stories and inspiration behind their extraordinary artwork and fascinating careers. I've known Fonchladon personally for over 35 years. He's an amazing artist, a great friend, and a wonderful person. It was a real joy for me to be able to sit down with him and talk in detail about the fascinating road he's traveled to become the artistic star he remains today. Foch never intended to be an artist, but that fate awaited him. Thankfully for those of us who love his work, and he's done nothing but make art to sustain himself and his family for more than four decades. Fanch, his real given name is Francois, loves life, travel, and the beauty that surrounds him everywhere he goes. And he imbues his work with wonder and imagination, creating most often what he today refers to as interior scapes, into which we are invited to step and leave the tribulations of our day behind to savor his peaceful, articulate, and poetic world and an artistic respite. This is Behind the Artist. It's no frills, just real and deep conversation. I'm Maura Shapiro, and I hope you enjoy this journey into the life and art of Fonchledon. So, Fonch, thanks for joining me. I've been looking forward to this uh, segment for a really long time. You and I have known each other for over 30 years. We're great friends. It's been a great journey seeing all the changes that have gone on in the art world, in your work, and the, the, the Park West world. It's been a lot of fun. And I thought it would be fun for us to talk about, you know, your path to success. You're one of the most successful artists working today. You've been doing it for, you know, 40 years, I guess, 40 plus years. 45 probably. Years. Yeah, 45 years. And doing nothing but making art and supporting yourself through your art, That's which it. is pretty extraordinary. Um, so I want to get into that, but I thought it would be nice for us to, to, to talk about initially the whole idea of being a self-taught artist. I find that fascinating. How do you um, think and feel that being a self-taught artist was beneficial to you, and how do you think, if at all, it limited your evolution as an artist? Well, like you said, it's it's a bit uh, uh, positive and negative. Let's say, the, to me, the positive side was that I was so enthusiastic about succeeding as an artist, you know, so to speak, you know, because, you know, you know my background, I've done MBA and all that, so being an artist was important to to me and to, to, to be good at it, but, you know, I had no formal training. Of course, I didn't go to any art school, and I think the benefit of that is I was not formatted, you know, not formatted by teacher that would tell me, look, this is the, how you draw, this is how you approach this subject matter. And I did approach my um, style and my artwork with a very personal idea, you know, like uh, I like, first I like the color, I'm a colorist, really, to start. Then to work on the composition was a bit longer because you have to learn somehow the perspective which shows in my work now in the quality of the drawing, in the, the lines, in the composition, I had to be, I'm a perfectionist, so it was not that difficult for me to go that, that way, but at, 
at the very beginning, I was naive, so to speak, you know, which is not, like you said, derogative, but it was like Do you mean natural, naive natural. in your style or naive in your, your approach? Or both? Both, both, probably. Both, you know, and the, the first painting were like a very simple, very, you know, you know, frank, very naive, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, blunt, I was approaching the subject with a little bit of a graphic design to the, the, the plants, the, the nature, the, the, the housing, whatever, but then it evolved into a more graphic style as I learned along the process, you know. And uh, I'm sort of self-taught for the painting matter, but not for the graphic matter. To the graphic, you need someone to teach you, show you, and you have to be listening there and really soak it in, you know, to mm -hmm. be sure you're going to be a good graphic, you know. Mm -hmm. By graphics, you're talking about your prints that you've created prints. over the decades, yeah, yeah lithographs prints, and yeah. serographs. Yeah. The interesting tension, I think, in your work now, in particular mm -hmm. over the last maybe, you know, I'd say 30 years, has been the sort of folk art kind of quality to it. Some people call it naive, some people call it primitive. They're not pejorative terms, they're just they're, you know, terms that people use to describe an artist who's pretty much walking their own direction. That contrasted with the extraordinary sophisticated quality of your work. It's really sophisticated in terms of the layouts and compositions, the subtleties of color. And then you put all that together and then you get this incredible mood, this really beautiful, pure kind of idealistic mood in your work which is so appealing to people um, you know uh, you came up with the term interior scapes you yeah, know which is a great terminology I think to describe your interiors you know you do landscapes as well but those have that beautiful feeling between the interior and the exterior they have windows you're looking out and there's these, these har harmonious landscapes and then inside you have all this beautiful a sophistication of you know architectural design and interior design. Artwork. Yeah, and then you put art, you put paintings yeah. in there, you know, in sculptures. in the interiors and sculptures yeah. of artists that you admire. Yeah. Sometimes you make them up yourself, though, right? Sometimes yeah, it's kind of fun too. You know, that's the freedom of the artist. Yeah, thing. you do it yourself. So now you're at a point where you know your work is fully mature. You've been doing it for you know 45 years. You have established a market all over the world. You're a famous artist. You have two books published on your work. Your second book was the catalog raisonné of all of your graphic works, yeah, which is fascinating because yeah. it starts like in 1976 or something, right? Probably. Very yeah, very yeah, I remember graphic, yeah. looking at those the early lithographs. Yeah, the, the, the earliest lithograph in the yeah, book yeah, is like yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. See where you've gone from there to where you are now, you know. But uh, so you've achieved all the success, and I always love to talk about the paths that artists take in their lives because it's so fascinating. You know, I always um, try and emphasize to our guests and to people I speak with how courageous artists are because you have to walk that walk and, and come up against all those obstacles and try and overcome you know the the hardships of becoming a successful artist and stick with it. And so few artists ever make it. You know, they ever get to the point that you're at where you've reached this, you know, yeah, the pinnacle right. of success. Yeah, you could be discouraged along the, along the way. Right. Know? So um, you started studying business. Was it philosophy? Mm -hmm. And what was the third subject? No, um, well, yeah, philosophy, but it's kind of a little uh, extra. But I have mathematics, mathematics. and science. And science, so yeah. And know, philosophy, I have, yeah. I think I have, a, I have a good mathematical mind, you know, and I didn't mind those studies. And then I went to um, study uh, the business administration, you know, so it mm -hmm. includes marketing, mm -hmm. personal research, all kind of, mm -hmm. it's kind of broad, you know, broad mm -hmm. subject approach. You, but, but you get like two bachelor, bachelors, yeah, right? The, yeah, I got the three French baccalaureates. Oh, three. Three, yeah. <laughs> 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 it was real. Well, you I didn't know what to do, it, right? I didn't know what to do. 
And then the, the two MBA, one from Paris School wow. and one from Sac State, you know, Sacramento, wow, Sacramento State, California uh, University. Wow. Which so three, three bachelor's degrees and two yeah, master's yeah. degrees. So, yeah. you know, by the time <laughs> I finished my study, I was done. You were done, and yeah. And when I decided to be an artist, I was so lovely to be independent. Like you mm -hmm. said, it could be scary. You know, it yeah. could be like, okay, you know, the unknown. But it was like a conscious decision, you know. I'm okay. gonna say I'm gonna. It was more like a sabbatical. Huh? I'm saying I'm gonna give it a really honest, honest try to be an artist. This is what I really like to do. Wow. Uh, well. How'd your parents feel about that? Because I know they wanted yeah, you to go into well, business. Yeah. Well, no, they, they did their share. They said, you know, your son, you gonna have a diploma, and then we're not concerned anymore. A master is a good ticket to whatever you want to do in life, and we're done. That's you great. and your big boy uh -huh. decide to be an artist, make a living out of it, figure it out. Wow, that's great. So, nice but they, support. You know, they help a little bit, you know, I like yeah. had that small apartment in Paris that uh -huh. they kept available for me, wow. which was a great help, but then in the U.S. I figured it out, you know, it yeah. was good. So tell me about your first uh, show, first exhibition, how did it come about? Yeah, that was, that was very interesting because I, I was already painting along with my, you know, as I was studying, as a nice moment to get away from the studies and do little paintings. And then as I was doing that, I figured, you know, I go to California, don't know too many people. I mean, I go to those art fair, you know, and I go to an art fair and I meet a gentleman there. Were you exhibiting at the art fair? Yeah, I was yeah, okay. showing my little how work. Many, how many paintings did you have? Oh, I would say four or five little ones. Really? That's, that's nice, it? Nothing, Just four or five nothing paintings? Major. Yeah. yeah, nothing major. Yeah. But I had my beret, so I looked like a freshman. Stands the board, had the board stuff covered. <laughs> then, <laughs> then that guy came to me uh, in his Bromfield, I remember his name, he was a lovely gentleman, a bit older, but you know, he had a beautiful uh, art gallery, antique shop on Union Street in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Great location. And he said, I like what you do. They have a you know, nice appeal and it seemed to be fresh. And I would like to show them in my gallery if you want to put them on consignment. And we started that like that and it ended up being like a prepare for a one-man show, you know, which was a very impressive thing, one-man show at 22 and, or 23. And we'll do, you need what, 20, 23 paintings or somewhere there, and we'll do an opening for you and present it to the, to the public. How much time did it take between that meeting and the first uh, one? Well, I would say I had about eight, six to eight months, eight months maybe, you know, and... Do you I worked hard? Mm -hmm. You worked hard getting I, together, yeah. I work out. Now, were you a student at the same time, still studying? I was a student yeah. at the same time. So you're time. studying full-time and making these paintings. A few units to take, maybe 30 units, you know, uh -huh. to get my B because I was already having, but anyway. And uh, it happened probably, it was in June, like I remember it was coinciding with the end of my studies as well. And uh, the show was a success. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. You know, I'm appreciated. Yep. People love it. They yep. grab my painting. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, I think it's sold out even. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, wow, this is it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, that's from that day on, I knew this is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go that way. You know, well, be a painter. How be fortunate you were to discover. It was such a fortunate start. You know, you know, in life, yeah. but it, it, yeah. it was not all such a. Right. You know, smooth road after yeah, that. Of course, you know, you ups know, and downs, yeah. tribulations. But then, you know, I gave it all my energy and all my uh, enthusiasm, you know, to mm -hmm. be an artist. And, uh, you know, and then I 
painting and painting and painting, and that's how you learn. You know, self-taught. Yeah. Most of your early uh, images were landscapes and, Landscape, and populated outdoor. by figures. When did you make the transition into the interiors? Is it just uh, naturally? Quite a long time afterwards, you know, we did. I did a lot. Of, if you see, like from the catalog, the the first graphics, little graphs, mm -hmm. were published by Christie's Contemporary mm -hmm. Art and different mm -hmm. publishers. That little people in it on the beach or doing sports or you know, I, I, you know, activities, you know, outdoors activities mostly. And they were like, you know, if I would paint a little city scene or a village, you know, I would include all the little people doing you know active things, you know, and. Uh, when I started doing the interior was probably around, uh, I would say the first was probably 1980s, 1980 mm -hmm. somewhere, quite a bit afterwards. You just had this idea that you wanted to start painting interiors? just came to you well, naturally? Well, you know, I was, I was living then in a nice house overlooking the Mount Tamalpais in the back of the Bay of uh, San Francisco in Sosalito. And I had high ceilings, that was my studio, painting the living room there. And, uh, you know, the, it, it sort of created like a frame for that scenery that was in the back already. Uh -huh. right. And someone walked in, a friend of mine, and, you know, I was there on my little table, you know, uh, working on paintings, and I said, well, you know, you just, uh, it just occurred to me that you should paint that scene, you know, uh -huh. and, you know, from this angle, it looks good. So I just backed in my own studio and said, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's gonna look strange, you know, if I put this frame there. And they said, yeah, but then I thought about it. I said, well, I'm going to put the balcony, I'm going to put flowers, it's going to look good. Yeah, I was going to make it like, okay, this is a fantastic space with an incredible <laughs> view of a fantastic spot mm -hmm. in the Bay Area. Right. And that's how it all started. Then I started looking at the impressionist, and I see Monet, Manet, right. uh, Matisse, the windows they all did the windows yeah. and this, uh, yeah. looking out the world. So, mm -hmm. Like you say to me once, you know, you, 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 how do you do that? You, 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 you steal from other artists, or you uh, just maybe borrow Pica from them? Yeah, Picasso's fam famous quote that uh, good artists borrow, but great artists steal. Well, the great artists, <laughs> uh, that's it. You know, he, he sure did with the sculptures of the African uh, people, <laughs> yeah, right? He stole a lot of stuff. He stole a lot, a lot of stuff. stuff. <laughs> but he made it his own. Like I did the stole. same. I yep. just molded that into my yeah. own style, and uh -huh. you know. And that was great. That was like a new approach. You've um, told me that you would have been an architect had you not become an artist. And that uh, yeah, applies a lot to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the idea to design homes for the people and, you know, because I, I think it's, it's essential for the, an individual to have a beautiful place to go back into, you know, a beautiful home. So uh, I always pick the places with a fantastic view for a couple of reasons. You know, if I'm going to be there all day long because I live there and I work there, I want a beautiful spot. You know, I want at least a beautiful view. So I always made sure I had a good place to live in. And, you know, to be an architect and do that for the people, that would have been a, a nice uh, occupation. Yeah. Let's talk about your uh, entry into printmaking, which is a yeah. huge part of your work, and is, yeah. as you said, a part where you became educated, you yeah. know, you're no longer self-taught. Yeah. How did it come about that you made your first lithograph, and eventually you got published by Christie's, which is yeah. very prestigious, it's prestigious. Yeah, yeah. honor to have them publishing your graphic yeah, that was great. And I know you, you did quite a few lithographic editions mm -hmm. before you uh, came to Park West, so talk about how that came about. It came about, like in life, you have some coincidence, like the good luck I had with that guy in San Francisco. In Paris, I had the fortune to be above a small printing shop. Wow. 
Yeah. You're actually living above One the guy studio. operation, yeah. wow. two guys. Uh -huh. He had a small press, hand press, you know, the one that you crank up like right. this, you know, to pull the zinc plate on. Mm -hmm. And I was like waving at him every morning. And then uh, Did one you know day, you were an artist? No. Oh. No, he didn't know. He didn't know I was Bob you know, <laughs> painting. And I was only there two, three months a year in Paris. Okay. And then I walked in, I said, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it works. I want to learn. I, can you show me? I'm an artist. And then I showed him my painting and said, well, I know a publisher, so may, maybe you know, Talandier, a French guy, doing small edition. What? What's the name? T Tal Talandier. Talandier. Oh, he disappeared now since then. He's yeah. like way back, the 1975, 76. Okay. How do you spell that? T A L L A N D I E R. Z I E R. D I E R. Talandier. Or he probably disappeared after. Couple of, I mean, 20 years or so. I worked for him a little bit at the beginning, and he said, well, let's do an edition. Uh -huh. And that guy said, well, you have to learn the technique by doing the color separation, because I'm not going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. It's another guy uh, that you have to pay at that time, and mm -hmm. I couldn't afford it. And I said, okay, I'm willing to learn. And okay, so clarify the, for our listeners what you mean by color separations. Color separation, it's a process whereas you look at the painting and then you have to figure out in which order you're going to start printing the color. You know? Right, because every, Usually you build up, you ev know, every color image. requires a separate plate. Yep. Each color, color, color requires color. Yep. a different plate. Mm -hmm. And they sort of mix, but not totally. So if they are too potent, I mean, on the paper, if you print a light yellow and you print a light uh, red over you might get a tint of orange and you're trying to achieve all that so that was pretty complex for me to figure it out at the beginning and I had uh, probably a budget for maybe 10 plates mm -hmm. 10 colors 10 colors yeah. that, that was it yeah. you know the cost was immediately proportional to the number of plates you'd be using and that publisher said this is our budget we work with it I said okay I love the challenge it's good mm -hmm. and I really learned that way I learned how to be you know precise about colors registration you know harmony and all those all those things that you know come up when naturally when you do the painting but when you do a graphic it's a different approach mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a challenge and it's interesting and you build up that image till you get some kind of result that you're either satisfied with or it's a disaster but i never had disaster really so to speak with graphic but mm -hmm. you know not easy not easy to to print it's, mm -hmm. it's and then i developed and developed that and i learned with other artists i went to then i met that guy from christie's contemporary i said can i publish you 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 you, you have to do those painting as close as you can to be a nice lithograph and I printed with uh, Dejobert. Dejobert, very famous Dejobert, very good printer. Yeah, yeah. And then I met a chromist, and he teach me a lot. Mm -hmm. and a chromist is a person who specializes yeah. in color separation. He's actu yeah. actually in the book. You know, I got a photo of him, okay. Alexi. Alexi. He was mm -hmm. really good. I mean, the guy was a super pro. He mm -hmm. did Chagall. Mm -hmm. He did, you know, incredible artists in, in his life. You know, mm -hmm. he was like sixty something when I met mm -hmm. him. So he told me a lot. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that was a fortune for you. Very to fortunate. Learn from the master. Yeah. yeah. 
So you've got the transparency and translucency of the colors and opacity, and then you have the sequence of the colors, you know, what yeah. goes down first, second, third, fourth, yeah, fifth. Yeah, how you build and then you've got the registration, which is lining up everything to make sure it's perfect. Every yeah, perfect. So nothing's blurry yeah. or, yeah. you know, yeah. off, yeah. off, uh, off kilter. Great challenges. So that became a big part of your work, and you sold a lot of lithographs that kind of launched a lot of your early fame. Yeah. Right? Okay. We met you in uh, Art Expo. I know you met uh, Albert before that, but I know I met you for the first time at Art Expo, I think, in the 1980s, probably, probably yeah, 84, the 85. New York Art Expo, the yeah, Jacob yeah. David Center. And that was, that was a big deal back in those days when there were lots of retail galleries. The Art Expo in New York was the big you had to be you know, there. convention. You had to be there, right? Yeah. yeah. And there was like, I don't know how many booths, you know, hundreds of booths. It was a giant Javits Center. And yeah. the first day was always dealer day, where the dealers would come in and look at, you know, prospective artists to sign and to bring into their galleries. And so we met there and we began our, our real serious relationship when we were yeah. doing our auctions exactly, and yeah. started offering your lithographs. And they were great. We still have some of those, by the way, archives. The, the old ones, editions. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful, yeah. beautiful. And then uh, they're featured in your book, of course. And then you started working in serigraphy at Albert's urging. Mm -hmm. And that was another explosion in your work because the serigraphs really nailed that sort of wonderful look and vivid quality of your imagery. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, so tell us about your foray into serigraphy and and how that affected your work. Well, actually, to go back to the meeting with Albert and uh, Parkways at that time, he already knew that we had to do the best so there was no limitation number of plates the only limitation we had was that you cannot superload you know s- overload the colors no, you're still know, talking lithography but then uh, lithography yeah. yeah then we would go up to 18 colors wow. 19 colors wow. which is a lot that's extraordinary yeah yeah and that's because they get oh, muddy don't they if you put too many colors yeah, yeah. exactly you gotta yeah. be really careful but then it gives you the edge, you know, to really do like a very sensitive, very beautiful work. And I really appreciated that, that with uh, the concept, you know, to have the best. You know. mm-hmm. And he did the same for serigraphy, you know. So when we approached serigraphy, it was not totally uh, proven, you know, uh, to be a super product uh, for graphic, you know. And the ink were not up to the you know, quality that we had for lithography, proven you know, quality of inks for years. So we were learning along the process and then we were looking at it, you know, and he found that um, printer in Israel, by then I already learned the screening technique, you know, the, which a little bit easier because in serigraphy you don't mix as much the color. The, they cover each other. You know? mm-hmm. It's like flat color on the over mm-hmm. flat. But then you use like 60, 70 screens. You know? mm-hmm. So the the brightness of it, you know, the aspect, you know, is a little bit different, but very close, a bit closer to the original, and a bit like sharp and definite. And mm-hmm. I really like that. I really like, that. Mm-hmm. like the idea. It's wonderful. Tarkai worked there. Tarkai He's now worked deceased. There, yeah. Igor Medvedev worked there. He's now deceased. Medvedev, yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. Uh, Linda Lecamp still Linda works Lecamp there. And his whole Kresniansky worked there, although he's now in his late 80s. He's not, you know, created as much work. Yeah. Who else? I'm trying to think of some other artists who worked there, but so many great contemporary Maybe artists that worked. He coded some, yeah. yeah. And the images that you used and the editions you created were just spectacular. Mm-hmm. It was big, beautiful, bold colors and wonderful subtleties in them, and people really just uh, fell in love with those works. We sold those editions out very quickly yeah. at escalating prices, as I recall, too. You know, <laughs> That was a really, really great thing. So, so today, 
you're working your graphic works are pretty much digital you know you're doing like yeah. Giclees that, that sort of thing how do you feel about that medium well it's a different approach but the Giclee uh, renders is more faithful to the original right actually very close to it you know because it's, it's a digital you know separation of the colors and then you use those uh, inkjet printing and I didn't have to interfere as much with that because you know buying you take a picture of the 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 original and then you know it's translated into the Gcleave format and that worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. and you, have to, you have to edit, make sure the colors. You have to edit. You, you have to yeah. make sure yeah. you know. Yeah, you have you to prove it all. Reject whatever doesn't work. Because yeah. sometimes it, it fuzzes up, you know, with mm -hmm. the printer. It's not a yeah. you know, exact uh, science. Yeah, that, you know. and you have to calibrate all the colors and make sure they're exactly the way you want yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah, as subtle as you are in color, yeah. I would imagine that's yeah. a, that's a pretty tedious. But I must process. say, you know, I'm. I'm an old timer, and I love the serigraphs and the lithographs. You know, yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah. And I wish I would go back sometime to a workshop <laughs> well, there. And who knows? Maybe who knows? knows? You never yeah. know. That'd yeah. be lovely. Uh, you know, lithography. We've talked about this before. Pretty much an extinct, you know, technique it today. It's, yeah, it's it too is. hard to learn. Takes too long to learn it. Yeah. Too expensive yeah. to make lithographs. Expensive you have because you digital. cannot do one. Uh, you cannot do ten prints. You have to do a number of prints. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. It to make the economics make no sense. Yeah. Economically, yeah. And we, now we have all these digital technologies. Mm -hmm. So very few artists are walking that path. And the no. same pretty much with serigraphy. I don't think many artists are making serigraphs right? yeah, today either. You know, some, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, again, because we have all these new technologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those will be, uh, you know, very cherished art forms, the, the way we look at yeah. woodcuts today. I, you know, I, or I, look at it, I look at it that way that we are probably the last guys doing, you know, original work, yeah, working hard with the pencil, this, the color, the yeah. printing. And it was lovely. And, you know, yeah. I think it's it was old school. You guys are the old school. Yeah. <laughs> Last generation old school. I have no idea I'll be there someday, but you were the that's you it. were the uh, the last classic rock musicians right yeah. before the, the synthesizers came. That's it. Probably <laughs> the same compares. Yeah. So today uh, well, you make paintings primarily, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you live in this beautiful home in Valeries, south of France. Mm -hmm. Where Picasso lived at the end of his life, made his ceramics there. Yeah, made his ceramics in and, uh, Madula, you, yeah. And you live up on a beautiful mountain, looking yeah. right down on the Mediterranean with this exquisite view, this wonderful yeah. home. And you have your studio there, so you get up in the morning and you have your coffee and your breakfast, and then you walk around down to your studio, which is quite small. It's not a large studio, yeah, and you paint every day, pretty much, right? Every day when I'm there, and it's kind of a balance. My life, you know, to go there, there's something missing if I don't go there for a few hours to, right. to, to, to touch up a painting, to work <laughs> on a new one, to really, you know, create, and that's that's my excitement. It's yeah. like I, I had that feeling that you know I'm doing something positive because I look at the bright side of the world, you know, and if I open those windows, to the world or the people, and I create, you know, artwork that's harmonious and happy and with bright colors, it's. It makes me feel good as well. well you know? You're you're uh, giving a gift to people. You know, yeah, you really are. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking that way. I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, I don't paint for myself. I, I I know a few artists around me, and they wonder. I said, "Well, I'll come, I'll come." I, I'm, I'm well received my artwork. I said, "Do you think you know? Are you, do you think like an artist that should paint for others, not necessarily for yourself? Mm -hmm. you know? And that you're trying to bring out something to the world?" You know, mm -hmm. to, Complement, you know, the, the incredible existing artwork that's already there, but you have to think 
that you're gonna be judged by collectors, by the public, and it's just not for you to paint in your studio. It's like, you know, and that's why I really appreciate the uh, venues uh, having uh, Parkways distribute my artwork, you know. I'm, I'm in that mode of thinking, like a writer that is published and is really happy to have a big uh, tirage of his book, you know, and be appreciated. I'm in the same mode, you know, mm -hmm. in the same mode. Yeah, it's interesting how the notion that art needs to have angst in it you know, yeah. pain in it for it to be legitimate. That mm -hmm. that that attitude it exists so completely in the art world. You know, I wonder yeah. if it comes out of Van Gogh. You know, Van Gogh made beautiful paintings, but at the same yeah. time he suffered. So well, the, the only, whole idea of the artist suffering. You know, I, he suffered, and he was a bit in advance on his time. But if he had not committed suicide at what age thirty-seven, mm, I, mean, I think so. Yeah, he would have been famous in his own time. Yeah. Because none of his painting disappeared. Everybody mm -hmm. knew they had something. You mm -hmm. know, the, the guy that put him up, Doctor Gachet, the, mm -hmm. Everybody kept the paintings, mm -hmm. and they all documented. So he just disappeared yeah. too soon. You know? Yeah. You work on a drafting table, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like an architect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't paint on an easel, slight angle, and you paint in acrylic. Acrylic is a good medium. Yes. Have me. you ever painted in oil? No, never. Right from the beginning, never. it was acrylic. Yeah. You know. I'd, keep my life simple with this approach and I uh, really think, first of all, I use the best acrylic, you know, I use mm -hmm. a Liquitex, a good mm -hmm. products, you know, I use a super beautiful canvas. Super canvas, to yeah. use really Very expensive important. canvases. Belgian, yeah. tightly knit, yeah. you know, uh -huh. beautiful, nicely prepared and uh, I'm happy with that medium. I'm mm -hmm. happy, it's, it's a technique where you it dries fast, you know, I don't even use retardant for the acrylic, some people do, but I paint my negative space, you know, with a quick uh, brush strokes, you know, and, and then I paint over it, dries fast, so I don't make any, you know, any mistakes sometimes, you know, if you, you have oil, you have to wait quite a time, quite a long time, you know. And there's also an element, actually, with oil, if you use turpentine, all of these products, not too good for your health, you, mm -hmm. know, you know. So it's acrylic, it's just water, it's simple, mm -hmm. I like it. Do you work on several paintings at once? Do you have you pick one up, put one down, or, or do you yeah. just pretty much do one painting at a time? It's pretty much one painting at a time. Really, I start only what maybe sometimes two or three, you know. But the subject matters can be so different, you know. I can, but let's say I'm gonna do a couple or three Greek scenes, you know. So the background could be similar, you know. I could have that, you know. A bright blue, you know, mad uh, color. That you know, the deep blue, and then uh, so I use the deep blue, you know, for two or three paintings. But that's the maximum, mm -hmm. really, honestly. You know, I like them. How do the subjects emerge? Are they in your imagination? Do you just sit down and begin to paint and not know where you're going with it, or is it you do preliminary studies or sketches? I I have in my mind, uh, you know, preliminary studies, sketches, in and mind. ideas in my mind, yeah. and I said. Go to my studio. When, what am I gonna? What am I gonna paint today? Where am I gonna be traveling? Where am I gonna dream that I would be uh, instead of being in my studio here, which is not a painful, but it's like okay, <laughs> evasion. You know, like okay, am I going to Greece? Am I going to Italy? Am I going to Paris? <laughs> New York, San Francisco, I mean, the world is my oyster, yes, and I paint is. all these subjects, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I prepare for it, I have documents, I have a little sketch, I have you know, little notes and all that, you know. Yeah. And so you I'm just not dive in? You dive in. Huh? you dive in, just dive in. Yeah, dive yeah. in, just yeah. get into it totally, yeah. it's yeah. fantastic. So, say again, you're not going to recreate? You just said, I just interrupted you, you were going to say something about you're not trying to recreate? Not trying to recreate the exact uh, place, but to recreate the mood mm. and the, 
the Colombo, the beauty of it, or the, the, the harmony of those beautiful little villages, you know, in Italy or France, and you know, and the fantastic skyline of New York, you know, whatever appeals to me at that time, you know, it's mm -hmm. just do my best to. Mm -hmm. you know. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen you take a photograph. You know, we travel together all over no. the world. You're not a big guy no, in photography, no, no, so you really, no, no. you know, you know, use photography as right. a reference You're for right. your work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. trust other photographers. <laughs> 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 they have the right light, the right time. So, like, like you use uh, the other artists. You know, you borrow. So I borrow sometimes from photographers. Sure. You know, photos, but sketches a uh, little, little bit only. But you know, I. Get many many documents, you know. I know how much you love to travel. That's a huge source of inspiration huge, for your work. Yeah, and you've been a traveler since you were really young. You're, since you're young. Yeah, yeah, that's like your second great yeah, passion. Yeah, no, it's crazy. World, huh? It's crazy. I think New Zealand is my uh, number one twenty-five. Yeah, one hundred twenty-five. Keep countries. track. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I do keep yeah. track. Wow. I always did. It's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, I bet. Yeah. yeah. 125 places that you places, visited. Yeah, it's, it's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So what's next? What are you just going to keep uh, your yeah pedal you know, to the metal? Exactly. You know, I st as long as I have the enthusiasm and uh, one one time only in my life I had the the, the, the writer anxiety. I went. Mm. I was there in front of the white canvas. And mm. When was that? What to do next? Yeah. When, when was that? Oh, I'd say four or five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Pretty recent, huh? So I took a little break. I took a two, three month break. So I'm gonna go kayaking, biking, windsurfing, who knows what, skiing, and uh, you get tired of it too. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, anyway, it just came back. Could it wait, just came back by magic. Could wait to get back to the. And I never had an anxiety problem or disinterest for what I was doing. So now I'm just totally back into it. I'm really happy to do it. Uh, it's balanced life. I'm not obsessive. I'm not, you know, I create very, very few paintings a year. I know. You're you not know, prolific at all. I'm not a prolific. You know. No, you're not a prolific painter. And it will take so long as your paintings, yeah. too. Yeah. I never felt that pressure. And uh, even though I quite a few shows this year with Parkhurst, you know, it, it's humming along. I'm happy and, you know, I'm not trying to, to push myself. Yeah. Just a treat. Yeah. A treat. A little pressure is good, but not too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Next show coming up is always good. You yeah. Know, it's always motivation. Motivation uh -huh. is important. Yeah. So it's good to have that goal, yeah. right? Yeah. What's your take on the art of our time right now, on the whole conceptual art? It's mind-boggling. Yeah. You know, I, 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 the think, prices. I think it gets a lot of people, collectors, very confused. You know? Yeah. When you see the, the crazy prices, you know, that uh, uh, I think they just sold actually, I like David Ockney, you know, they sold the David Ockney for what, 90 million? 90 million? Yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, like mm -hmm. the, the, the swimming pool they did this mm -hmm. from the California time. Right. But then again, there are other artists you, you wonder. I mean, you know, I think it's manipulated a little bit, you know. You, like you have those huge two French collectors, you know, Pinot and Arnaud, they're, they're billionaires. Mm -hmm. And they opened um, like a gallery in Venice and uh, in Paris. They created the LVMH, you know, Louis Vuitton Center in Paris, which is beautiful, actually. Beautiful shows there. But then his own collection is. Eclectic, you know, you have uh, Kuhn, you know, Jeff Kuhn, and then you have Basquiat, and it's it's kind of it's puzzling, it's puzzling, you know, what the new artists are proposing. I think they they're confused as well, you know. They're trying to create art rapidly, not it's not very thought after, it's not always creative, you know, and it has to be shocking a little bit, like Catlon, you know, he's trying to, you know, you've seen the funny thing he does, you know, hang the Pope from the ceiling, who knows what. But um, it's interesting, and it's 
you know, puzzling as well. You have to wonder what, what the reaction to all this art will be someday. You know, someday. art's always reacting. Someday. One of the pendulum's always swinging back and forth, you know. If you look all through art history. And so we've had pretty much 100 years now since Duchamp of conceptualism, you know. And a lot of, you know, the, the articles and books I've read about it, you know, one of my favorite authors is Arthur C. Danto. He's written several mm -hmm. books on the topic after art, post-art, he calls post -art. it, you know, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so much of it now is about the cult of personality of the artist yeah, and right. about novelty and not quality, yeah. novelty and not quality, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, as you say, constantly trying to shock people, to shock come up with new ways yeah. to define what is art and what isn't art, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's, you know, I guess it's interesting from a philosophical standpoint, yeah. but today you don't even need an object any longer. You don't even need a, a thing. You can just be, have a thought to be a work of art, you know? <laughs> yeah, or create a video or whatever. It's, it's right. kind of there. Well, you know, you go to places like the Scheidelich Museum in Amsterdam, you know, yeah. you look at I, the installations in there. there I remember we saw, yeah, we saw an installation of an ice cream cart in there, <laughs> you know, just sitting in the wall, you know, like, and like on the floor next to the wall, an ice cream cart, an old ice cream cart. That was mm -hmm. fascinating. But we digress. Uh, there's still artists like you, Fonch, who... Every day, they go to their studio, they pick up a brush, they mix some pigment, and they pour their heart and soul in making these beautiful, wondrous creations. You've been doing it for 45 years. You're giving to the world uh, a sense of beauty and wonder and appreciation and harmony, peace. People come home from a hard day in the coal mines, and they sit in their favorite chair and they look up at their Fanche de Dame painting on the wall and it transports them into this beautiful idyllic space, you know, that they can say, wow, there's still something right in the world, you know? That's, that's the way I think, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, of course, like, uh, you know, I go see the Biennale de Venise or mm -hmm. the FIAC in Paris or these big shows, but, but, you know, I tend to, I'm attracted to the ones of the old school like me, you know, that are really painting beautiful scenery or uh, beautiful women or subjects, you know, that are, you can understand. You don't have, you know, you don't have to be thinking, oh, you know. I remember seeing a show at um, the Museum in Paris. There was Magritte mm -hmm. on one side, which I deeply admire. Mm -hmm. uh, Magritte, yeah. Magritte, you know, the surrealist painter, very creative. Mm -hmm. Great painter, too, great technical painter. And then next to it, on the same floor, there was Cy Twombly. Cy Twombly, yeah. Twombly. Yeah. So like a scribbly handwriting. Scribbly kind of handwriting, mm -hmm. huge canvas, yeah. you know, big size. And uh, it was, you know, puzzling and mind-boggling, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because I didn't really get into it, you know, at all. Not, not a big abstract art guy. No, I'm yeah. not big. I'm not yeah. big enough. Yeah. So, why not? And then I could see that the people didn't get there either because no, they're, they're the big all crowd looking, they're was all always Magritte, yeah. looking at Magritte <laughs> and then they would walk fast to the show. Look at the big canvas. But it was okay. You know? Yeah, everything I, I, was, I get it. Everything I get it. You know, that's, it's, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, since Magritte, there's been a few other creative guys that are doing surrealist painter. I think you signed one Cheval. Michael he's Cheval, pretty, yeah. He's pretty impressive, huh? He's an awesome painter. He's very good. Classical technique. 
yeah. wonderful technique. Like, so you, know, you have the talent to find those new yeah. artists that yeah. walk across. That's really yeah. nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. We want to have the best of, of whatever genre they yeah. work in. We want yeah. to have the best. In you know, that one and category. Yes. That's why we have you. You know, you're the best. Uh, Keep uh, me in the uh, interior scale. Uh, exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want any competition. No, there's a there's several artists in our stable who have been deeply influenced by you. There's no doubt about it. Their work. They've seen your work and it's had an effect on them. And they've kind of taken what you set out to do and, and sort of moved it in their own direction. Yeah. But there's no denying they're definitely of the school of Fange. Yeah. You know, I'll, oh, okay. I won't name That'd them, cool. but uh, it's, it's, you're too humble to, you know, to admit that. But I, I observe it very clearly. Well, thanks for being here and taking the time for us to sit down and have this chat. I just want to say that I hope we have another 35 years together. That's <laughs> yes. doubtful well, that our age is. But let's make sure we have lots we of good... It, we keep in shape. We keep in shape. Yeah. You know, we so keep, do you. you know, yep. Doing the right thing, eating yep. well, yep. having a balanced life, having passions. You know, that's what keeps you going. That's the key, right? That's yeah. the key. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's make sure we keep doing it and yeah. keep bringing your wonderful art to yeah. enthusiastic collectors all over the world. So thanks again for being with us. You're welcome. You know, I will be there for the next 20 years at least. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Thank you for listening to Park West Gallery's Behind the Artist. To learn more about Park West Gallery's family of artists, visit us online at parkwestgallery.com or follow us on social media. You can subscribe to Behind the Artist on your favourite podcast app, and be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes.